This is no ordinary sub shop. This is Firehouse Subs. Welcome to Firehouse. Tired of overpriced lunches that underdeliver on flavor? Head to Firehouse Subs, where for a limited time you can get a $4.99 choice sub. Choose from a medium smoked turkey, Virginia honey ham, or roast beef. They're custom-made hot subs at a price ready-made to make you smile. Just $4.99, only at Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs, save more lives. Participating locations plus tax limited time offer prices may vary for delivery. The Leslie Marshall Show, a true democracy in talk radio. Of, for, and by you, the people. Welcome to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Grimaldi and Brad Bannon filling in for Leslie Marshall just for today. So we've got you for the next hour. Uh, joined, as always, when I guest host by good friend of the show, Brad Bannon. You can follow Brad on Twitter. It's at Brad Bannon. That's B-R-A-D-B-A-N-N-O-N. If you want to check out his website, it's BannonCR.com. Brad runs Bannon Communications Research, a polling, message development, and media firm, which helps labor unions, progressive issue groups, and Democratic candidates win public affairs and political campaigns. Brad's a regular contributor to TheHill.com, where you can find a lot of his work. He's also a senior advisor to and contributing editor for Tiller4U.com, the social media network for politics. He also lectures in political science at Salem State University in Salem, Massachusetts. Brad, always good to talk with you. Hey, Mark. How are you doing? Good. I, I despise Tom Brady just ever so slightly less uh, due to the fact that he didn't show up at the White House. Maybe Giselle had a, a good effect on him. Who knows? Well, if I was married to Giselle, I would do anything she told me. Yeah, I, you're a smart man, Brad. <laughs> so uh, on to uh, some very big topics uh, that happen to be in the news today. Um, many of us who uh, kind of uh, were glad to see uh, Trump care, Ryan care, whatever you want to call it, um, sink to the bottom of the ocean uh, for a time uh, after they pulled the bill uh, due to not having enough votes in the House, knew that it would uh, float back up uh, and rear its ugly head. We just weren't sure when. Um, it seems to be that uh, that could start with a conference call this Saturday between um, House Republican members in the uh, moderate portion, as well as the Freedom Caucus, the Tuesday grouping, the moderate portion. Uh, you know, probably all Republicans in the House will be on that conference call. And what they're going to be talking about is a new piece uh, of legislation or I guess an agreement, some type of an amendment to the previous bill called the MacArthur Amendment, which is where this negotiation seems to be focused on between the moderate House Republicans called the Tuesday Group and then the most far-right ardent uh, House Republicans in the Freedom Caucus. And it centers around this um, amendment called the MacArthur Amendment, uh, which uh, supposedly will cover people with pre-existing conditions um, because, first, the legislation still claims those people can't be denied coverage, and, second, 
because there will be high risk pools for those people if insurance costs dramatically go up for them. But, but the reality is that insurers would be able to effectively deny coverage by pricing sick people out of the market. So, Brad, do you think that Republicans will be able to fool the American people with this ruse that would still effectively allow insurers to deny insurance to uh, many with pre-existing conditions? In one word, no. Uh, the biggest problem, I, I the think market. they're going to have trouble with uh, Trump Care 2.0, 2.0, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, probably not going to fare any better than Travel Ban 2.0. Uh, because there, as you said, there are all sorts of loopholes in the pre-existing conditions uh, part of the uh, uh, MacArthur bill or MacArthur amendment, uh, and uh, it's really easy for the insurance companies to get around uh, having to cover people for pre-existing conditions. And that's, you know, if you look at the polling over the years, that's been a very popular uh, aspect of uh, Obamacare, uh, and I think they're going to have uh, a tough time uh, selling it. And uh, I just, you know, I think they're going to crash and burn again. Now, one thing I think they're doing, the reason this popped up all of a sudden, is this is day ninety of the Trump presidency. Uh, and I am told by friends in Washington that they want to get this thing passed, repeal Obamacare, and passed uh, before day 100 of his presidency so he can appoint to it as, a, as an accomplishment. But I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, I heard that uh, the latest SNL uh, opening skit where they said, you know, the, the man playing uh, Mike Pence, you know, open up my list of accomplishments, Mike, and read it to me. And he said, uh, the, Gor- the Gorsuch uh, nomination, and he, that's it. He goes, that's beautiful. Read it again. And I heard that really, uh, as you know, he's very, uh, you know, sensitive about his ego. And Look back to how uh, touched off he was about the initial Sean Spicer, Melissa McCarthy skit because it was played by a woman. And, you know, you have to look no further. Now, back to the legislation in particular, Brad. Um, the head of the Kaiser, or sorry, the senior vice president at the Henry J. Kaiser Family Foundation, which is a nonpartisan um, healthcare uh, review organization. His name's Larry Levitt. Uh, this was his quote about um, this latest news. It says he said this effectively allows states to eliminate the Affordable Care Act's guarantee of access to insurance at a reasonable price for people with pre-existing conditions in the interest of lowering premiums for people who are healthy. It seems to tilt heavily toward what the Freedom Caucus has been looking for, and that is the most far-right caucus who just wanted to completely repeal the whole thing and start over, essentially, which, you know, if you remember uh, Trump's initial t- interview as president-elect, um, he said, you know, we're going to keep the pre-existing conditions, uh, that you can't, you know, discriminate against people with pre-existing conditions, and you're going to be able to keep uh, your child on their plan and, until they're, um, you know, 26 or until they're, I guess, at the end of when they turn 26. Um, so I guess, you know, w- there's going to be a lot of debate about this, and right now Republicans are still in recess, so you have to imagine, you know, with how social media is and everything, you're, they're going to start to hear questions about this. And Brad, it, it actually seems that, um, you know, people are doing a good job staying educated on this because just a few days ago, uh, Dean Heller, who uh, is in, you know, not a very uh, red district at all in uh, Nevada, um, was actually questioned by uh, a woman named Vivian Leal, a 51-year-old um, 
Let me see here. Reno mother who said she was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis in 1999. And you're going to hear her press Senator Heller on whether he will oppose any legislation that revokes the Affordable Care Act's protections for those with pre-existing conditions and that directs those people into high risk insurance pools, which you just heard us talk a little bit about. I'm sorry to hear about your story. I no, don't be sorry. Let me go. I'm like this because I have but I want to make that make sure that other people in your situation also have access to health care. And we will do that. You have two people, two individuals standing up in front of you that rejected the Republican health care. You only did so at the end. And right behind Before the Congressman Amade, who was brave in putting forward his support, you went right after him. And you saw the way We saw you. We saw both of us rejected the Republican plan. And that's because we want to make sure that individuals like yourself do have access to health care. We have 200,000 people here in the state of Nevada through Medicaid expansion so that now have access. Us in pools. I want to make yes sure no? I want to make high sure you pools. have health care. Yes no I want to make sure that no, you have health care. My question, please answer. Sure, but that doesn't mean there isn't high risk pools. Call my office and we'll make sure you're out of a high risk pool. We will no, make sure I that. Make sure we will make sure that. But there are other sure people, but there are individuals that want to be in a high risk pool. We ought to have high risk pools in this country. Can we agree on that? So. I will support high-risk pools because there are some people that want them. There are people who want them. Thank you, Senator. We see what you I, I thought that was absolutely brilliant. That's exactly why we should be able to talk to our representatives and why we should be able to ask them our questions. Because honestly, I, I think that citizen did a better job than a lot of reporters can do with some of these people pressing them on these issues. And this yeah, woman. I, I agree, Mark. Yeah. And you know, listening to that audio, it reminds me so much of what happened in 2010 uh, when Tea Party members were beating the crap out of Democratic House members during their town meetings. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, they deserve it because they did it to us. And uh, she was very eloquent. She is very simple, and that's a good thing. Uh, one thing to remember is that this goes back to the guy from the Kaiser Foundation you, you uh, quoted. Uh, Obama, you know, there's a country music song called You Don't Miss Your Water Until Your Well Runs Dry. Well, this is a classic example of that. Um, Obamacare, even though it's greatly threatened, has never been more popular. Uh, close to 60% of Americans now support Obamacare. In the old days, it was, luck, it was lucky to crack 40. Now it's almost all the way up to 60. And the reality is Americans don't want the Republicans to take something away that they consider valuable. Absolutely, Brad. Now, two quick points on that. First of all, I, I have to get out a, uh, a shameless plug for um, I'm actually helping to organize a town hall in uh, my neck of the woods in 
uh, New York's 27th congressional district. And Brad, who knows the congressional districts, will know that one well because that is held by uh, Congressman Chris Collins, who, of course, was the first member of Congress to endorse now President Trump when he was uh, just starting off in the Republican primary. So obviously uh, someone who has a lot to answer for, especially since he's been really rubber stamping a lot of the president's legislation. Now, um, as you can see, Brad, and many others, they face tough questions. So Collins has actually said uh, he will not go to a town hall. He even said, I will never go to a town hall. Um, He's been very evasive. He actually went on CNN with um, Van Jones, who had a CNN town hall. He would have one there, but not with his constituents. And sure enough, actually, a woman who I know, Renee Sutton, who... um, is actually one of his constituents uh, ended up being at the town hall and asked him, why won't you meet with us? And he said, well, I will meet with you. You know, I'll meet with you personally. And sure enough, surprise, surprise, a month later, he still hasn't done so. So um, they actually uh, we've been working together. And for those who are interested in doing it, this is like what Brad and I are talking about. You have the power to do this. I mean, it's it's it. There's so many people around you, whether you go to an indivisible guide and and search for someone in your area. Um, So we just put it together and we're throwing our own town hall with experts on policy and everything in the this district. Um, And you can look up these events on Facebook like this one uh, the hashtag will be NY27 Town Hall last night there was one in New York's 11th congressional district Um, these things are popping up all over and Brad like you said you know this happened to uh, Democratic members of Congress we all remember very well and the Republicans had no problem with it then and honestly you know I I really expression turnabout is fair play exactly Uh, the other thing you should keep in mind about that audio of uh, Senator Hello's town meeting is Senator Hella is up for re-election next year, uh, and Nevada has become a blue state. And of the Republican incumbents who are up next year, Heller is probably the most vulnerable of the bunch of them. Uh, so he has extra reason to worry. Yeah, and Brad, you actually touched on another really important point, which is about public opinion shifting decisively, I would say, against Republicans since their repeal effort began back in 2010. I mean, the Affordable Care Act is now more popular than ever, like you were mentioning, Brad. It's got a 55% approval in the most recent Gallup poll, which is usually a very reliable poll. Um, Also, in a recent Pew Research Center poll, this is a separate one, 54% of Americans say they trust Democrats more than Republicans on health care, while just 35% say they trusted Republicans more. That's the biggest advantage for Democrats on health care since 2009. So how do you think these numbers in particular will affect the repeal and replace effort, Brad? Well, I think, you know, I think they they will probably stop the repeal and replace amendment because people, it's clear now, they were What's happened is that Americans have seen uh, the Affordable Care Act work for a couple of years. They have seen that 20 million more Americans have health care insurance than had it before Obamacare. And they don't, and they see it threatened by Republicans now. And because they like it and they feel it threatened, its popularity is increasing all the time. The Republicans in Washington are beating the crap out of it. And I think they're going to have a hard time. Uh, especially with Republicans uh, in marginal uh, House of Representatives districts. One thing to remember is there are 23 Republican uh, House congressional districts that Hillary Clinton won uh, last year. 
And if I was one of those Republican representatives who who represents a district won by Hillary Clinton, I would be very wary of voting against um, Obamacare to kill it. And that's why I think it's going to fail. Great points, Brad. We're going to take our first break. If you'd like to uh, ask Brad or myself a question, you can do so at 888-6LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. We'll be right back after this quick commercial break. We're going to talk a little bit more about uh, the zombie uh, that is Trump care trying to rise from the dead uh, and get passed somehow by next Friday night before the government shutdown, which looms. Um, if you'd like to join, again, 888-6LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. And then we'll actually talk some new information on the Trump-Russia connections, and if we have time, the uh, Armada blunder uh, that was also uh, a lovely uh, move by our now president, Donald Trump. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of truth. The Leslie Marshall Show, 888-6-LESLIE. Welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. Mark Romaldi and Brad Bannon in for Leslie Marshall. A real quick segment here before we go to our hard break. Then we're going to get to your calls at 888-6-LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. So, Brad, you know, just to, to follow up on that, does this MacArthur Amendment do enough to secure the moderates to get to 216 in the House or no? Because it doesn't seem to address the big concerns moderates have expressed, like raising the cap on how much insurers can charge seniors or, this is a huge one, cutting $880 billion from Medicaid. Neither of those are addressed by this MacArthur Amendment. Well, uh, this is is Paul Ryan's basic problem. Uh, The reason it's taken seven years for the Republicans to come up with an alternative to Obamacare is that the caucus can't agree on an alternative. Everybody, every Republican in Congress probably wants uh, to eliminate Obamacare, but then no one, they don't have any agreement on what to replace it with. And personally, I don't think, given the fact that the uh, pre-existing conditions clause is going to be in danger, I think they're going to have a hard time attracting moderate Republicans. And the problem is, even if they change the bill to make it more attractive to moderate Republicans, they're going to lose the Freedom Caucus. Uh, And the Freedom Caucus is what killed them last time. Uh, There are about 25 or 30 members, and Paul Ryan wasn't able to get them to vote for the first version of Trump Care. And I think he's going to have a hard time getting them to vote for the second, because they don't want any health care, national health care insurance at all. And, uh, you know, Ryan just can't sell that. Great points, Brad. We're going to run to our next break, and then we're going to get right to your calls after this. I'm also going to ask Brad about this timeline. If they're planning on having this conference call by Saturday, Republicans are, and then potentially having a vote by next Wednesday or Thursday, does the CBO even have time to evaluate, you know, this plan with the new amendments? I mean, if so, are they going to actually put up a vote without even having a CBO score? I mean, I would not put it by them. This is Mark Romaldi and Brad Bannon in for Leslie Marshall. You can get in line now if you'd like to do so. We've got some lines open, 888-653-7543. That's 888-6-LESLIE.
Welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Grimaldi, joined by a very good friend of the show and a close personal friend of Leslie's and myself, Brad Bannon. Uh, you can check out Brad's work at BannonCR.com. That's B-A-N-N-O-N-C-R.com. And his um, Twitter handle, I recommend following him. He's a great follow, at Brad Bannon. That's at B-R-A-D-B-A-N-N-O-N. Brad, I wanted to... Um, also, just to ask you a question about the timeline. I was talking to the people uh, on Periscope uh, during the break, but I'll just reiterate for those who are listening on radio or the stream. Um, we have news out today on Twitter being reported by Politico's Jake Sherman and Robert Costa of the Washington Post, and they're tweeting today that a vote on Trump Care 2.0 could happen as early as next Wednesday or Thursday. And my question uh, regarding that is, would, would that give the, and this is obviously just kind of a guess on your part with your experience, but would that give the Congressional Budget Office enough time to review the revised bill? Well, the short answer is no. And the thing is, Republicans want to take a vote before the CBO analysis, because it is the CBO analysis that killed them last time. So that's why they're rushing to vote. They want to do the vote before the CBO analysis comes out, because it will probably show that millions of Americans will lose their coverage. So they want to have the vote first. Have you ever, I mean, I, you, you're more of a, a student of history with this than I am. Do you ever recall something as major as a vote like this being done without a CBO score? Uh, no, nothing of this importance. There have been times when both sides have done it, but uh, I can't remember a time when they've uh, passed, voted on a major bill that has significant financial and medical uh, implications without an analysis of the Congressional Budget Office. And remember, the Congressional Budget Office is nonpartisan. It's, it was created by both parties to do objective analysis of legislation. And last time for Trump 1.0, uh, CBO came out about a week before the vote and said 25 million Americans would lose coverage. And that killed them. Uh, and so they're going to make sure they vote this time before CBO has a chance to do the analysis and kill them again. Yeah, I just that's astounding to me, even for these guys, you know, and I was actually just just mentioning during the break for those who want to call their congressional member to, uh, you know, voice their opposition to at least not having enough time to have a CBO score. It's actually a cool website you can go to. It's called who is my com, and you just type in your zip code you get your member of congress and your senators and it gives their phone numbers so i would definitely encourage people to do that the other question is um wouldn't this be a tough sell with an agreement already needing to be struck in order to uh, avoid a government shutdown by next friday night uh yes uh yeah it could very well become a pawn in this uh, and, uh, you know, let's say the Republican Ryan can put together uh, the votes for it, uh, and you might see uh, the Democrats uh, dragging uh, on, uh, you know, approving a budget. Uh, I think something will get ho- held hostage to the budget, and it may be Trump Care 2.0. All right, Brad, I want to move on. Actually, I'm sorry, we do have a caller on that before we move on. I want to go to uh, a good friend, Reggie, in Georgia. Reggie, thanks for calling in. And uh, what's, what are your thoughts on all of this with uh, Trump and uh, the House Republicans trying to uh, resurrect, if you will, Trump care here? Well, I, like you said, Mark, uh, I think they're doing it because that old President, Obama, old President Obama's name is on it, number one. And like I and as I said to you before, Marky Mark, and I reiterate it for you guys again, the both of you guys this time, 
Why are the Republicans so damn freaking that determined to destroy Obamacare and repeal and replace it with either Ryan or Trump care, number one? And two, how many more of these government shutdowns must we all endure before we finally say enough? We finally eat damn enough. I think that's a good question, Reggie, and, and I'll start off, and then, Brad, I want to hear your thoughts. But I think it is simply that it was uh, it has President Obama's name attached to it, because if you remember, uh, you know, initially the affordable character Obamacare was Romney Care in Massachusetts. And before that, a, a lot of people might not know, um, if my history serves me right, which I know Brad will know, um, I believe when President Bill Clinton was uh, leading the country, uh, if you remember, First Lady Hillary Clinton, was pushing universal health care and the Republicans didn't want her to have that achievement. So they came up with their own plan with some of these conservative think tanks. And it was essentially exactly what we have now under the Affordable Care Act. Is that correct, Brad? Yes. Uh, one thing, and you're absolutely right about that there. Most Republicans don't want it uh, because it has Obama, Barack Obama's name on it. Remember, before this, it was Obamacare. It was Romney Care in Massachusetts. Uh, Obamacare is built on a bill that was passed in Massachusetts and, sh- and signed by Mitt Romney that extended uh, health care uh, to every uh, person in Massachusetts. And Obamacare, they adopted the uh, Romney model, which was interesting because Romney came out in 2012 when he was running for president. Romney came out against his own health care bill. And the the other thing I want to say to Reggie is that I think that is most of the opposition. They don't want anything that has Barack Obama's name on it. However, if you go to the 25 or 30 key members uh, that Ryan needs to get to pass this thing, the Freedom Caucus, the very conservative and libertarian Republicans, they oppose this thing because they don't want any kind of government health care insurance at all. They just don't think the federal – this is something they feel should be left completely to the states. And I think Ryan's going to have a tough time getting them on board because if they vote for this thing, it preserves the principle of the United States government uh, intervening in the health care market, which is these these guys and gals desperately don't want. No, and you're right. And and the problem with that is it takes you back to the bad old days where insurance companies could deny people based on pre-existing conditions. You could have lifetime caps on the amount of care you receive, um, you know, all sorts of terrible things. And I think, like Brad was saying, the, the longer people have experienced this, you know, they see what's in it. And now that it's potentially going to be taken away, people who didn't support it or didn't understand it are finally realizing, uh, you know, what's at stake. And hopefully, you know, it's it's in time to, to stop it from happening. I do want to move on to um, we have some new information coming out this week regarding Trump-Russia connections. And Brad, I want to just read a, a piece um, from CNN that came out this week regarding the quote unquote dirty dossier, um, which uh, was published and, and, and um, created by MI6 agent uh former MI6 agent Christopher Steele of England. Um, And if you remember, when Trump had his first news conference, he absolutely lambasted CNN and Jim Acosta for reporting uh, an article about the uh, FBI and other intelligence agencies um, briefing then-President-elect Trump and then-President Obama on the existence of this document and the fact that Russia and others may try to use this against uh, then-President-elect Trump. And Trump absolutely, you know, went, ballistic uh, in the news conference was obviously very upset about the fact that that was even being reported on. And then if you recall, BuzzFeed actually um, 
reported and put out the actual dossier itself. I believe it was like a 30 some page uh, PDF that was released. And, you know, he denied it, you know, all that. Well, yesterday or I'm sorry, earlier this week, it turns out that uh, CNN has a report that the FBI actually used that quote unquote dirty dossier to corroborate evidence to get a FISA warrant against Carter Page. So um, this is from the article on CNN's website. The FBI last year used a dossier of allegations of Russian ties to Donald Trump's campaign as a part of the justification to win approval to secretly monitor a Trump associate, according to U.S. officials briefed on the investigation. The dossier has also been cited by FBI Director James Comey in some of his briefings to members of Congress in recent weeks as one of the sources of information the Bureau has used to bolster its investigation, according to U.S. officials briefed on the probe. This includes approval from the secret court that oversees the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, or FISA, to monitor the communications of Carter Page, two of the officials said. Last year, Page was identified by the Trump campaign as an advisor on national security. Officials familiar with the process say even if the application to monitor page included information from the dossier, it would only be after the FBI had corroborated the information through its own investigation. That means they are corroborating this independently, the information in this dossier, at least portions of it. The officials would not say, though, what or how much was corroborated. The dossier first came to light again when CNN reported that a summary of it had been presented to President Obama and President-elect Trump back in December by top U.S. intelligence officials. Comey's briefings to lawmakers stand in contrast to efforts in recent months by the Bureau and U.S. intelligence agencies to try to distance themselves from the dossier. U.S. law enforcement intelligence officials have said U.S. investigators did their own work separate from the dossier to support their findings that Russia tried to meddle in the 2016 presidential election in favor of Trump. The dossier alleges, among other, amongst other things, that Page met senior Russian officials as an emissary of the Trump campaign and discussed quid pro quo deals relating to sanctions, business opportunities, and Russia's interference in the election. Page has denied meeting the officials named in the dossier and says he never cut any political deals with the Kremlin. During the campaign, he traveled to Russia in July, where he gave a lecture critical of U.S. policy toward Russia. The trip drew the attention of the FBI and raised concerns about Page's contacts with suspected Russian operatives, according to U.S. officials briefed on the matter. Page has said he made the trip independent of the Trump campaign, and his speech reflected his own views. The Washington Post was the first to report the FISA court warrant targeting Page. To obtain court permission to target Page, the FBI and Justice Department would have to present probable cause that he was acting as an agent of a foreign power, including possibly engaging in clandestine intelligence gathering for a foreign government. Comey and other top Justice Department officials would have would have to sign off on the application, which government officials say involves a rigorous review process. Then-candidate Trump cited Page last year in an interview as one of his advisors on national security matters. He was officially on the campaign foreign policy team from March 2016 to September 2016. Page calls himself a junior member of the team, and Trump officials have set have said he had no influential role with the campaign. That's what they're saying now. The FBI became interested in Page, the officials say, in part because of concerns about his interactions with suspected Russian intelligence operatives last year. 
The Justice Department and FBI haven't accused Page of wrongdoing, and it's in- unclear whether any charges could be brought in the investigation. The FBI already knew about Page because of his role as a witness in the 2013 federal prosecution of an undercover Russian spy. Prosecutors allege that the spy had tried to cultivate Page as a source. Page denies he knew he was interacting with a Russian spy. Page was also among those who met with Russia's ambassador, Sergei Kisilyak, Kisilyak, I'm butchering that, during the Republican National Convention in 2016. So, Brad, after the break, what I want to ask you about is, and I'll, I'll let you think about this and then answer after the break, is doesn't this lend massive credibility to the Trump dossier, especially seeing that the FBI was able to independently corroborate enough of it to obtain a FISA warrant? And uh, I'm going to get Brad's other takeaways uh, from this new information after the break. Uh, after the break, we're also going to discuss some new information about Blackwater founder Eric Prince, uh, said to have advised the Trump team, which is definitely dire- in direct opposition to what Trump and Prince have been claiming. This is Mark Grimaldi and Brad Bannon in for Leslie Marshall. If you'd like to join us, we've got one more segment after this. The number to do so is 8886-LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. And we'll be right back. Leslie Marshall, real people, real life, real talk. 888-6-LESLIE. Back to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Grimaldi and Brad Bannon in for Leslie Marshall. So, Brad, first I want to just give you a chance before we go to uh, our calls to uh, respond essentially to this new report from CNN about the uh, FBI corroborating the dossier by uh, former MI6 agent Christopher Steele and what you think that means. Well, uh, this whole Russian Trump thing stinks to high heaven. Uh, I think eventually, uh, if anything undoes the Trump administration, it will be this sad affair uh, with Russia. Uh, there's another story that came out in the last couple of days uh, that um, a Russian think tank uh, that is controlled by Vladimir Putin had written uh, a strategy for defeating Hillary Clinton in the 2016 presidential race. And there's just too much going on here. Um, You know, the FBI is investigating them, which I think is a point in itself. Apparently, the uh, director, Comey, said the FBI have been investigating the uh, Trump-Russia connection uh, since July of last year. Uh, they announced it a couple of weeks ago, which is odd because Comey announced the investigation of Hillary Clinton right before the election and didn't say anything about the Trump investigation until after the election. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there are all sorts of things going on here. Someone's going to go down on this uh, because it's pretty clear that somebody uh, violated the Logan Act, which prohibits uh, private citizens from negotiating with foreign powers. And that's what 
uh, Sessions did when he met with the Russian ambassador. Uh, that's where former uh, Michael Flynn, the former national security advisor, that's uh, when he went to the Russian ambassador. And heads are going to go roll on this one, I can guarantee you. Yeah, and it looks like, you know, to that point, you can also include, you know, Carter Page, yeah. potentially Paul Manafort, and maybe even Eric Prince, which we'll talk about in a minute. But first, I want to go to our calls. Uh, a regular caller, uh, Jake from Eureka, California, who always has some good points and uh, poignant questions. So, uh, Jake, welcome to the show, and go ahead with your question. Hi, Mark. I'd like to ask Brad if the uh, actions of Donald Trump recently, uh, specifically regarding Syria, indicate that he is being blackmailed by the Russian government. For instance, he warned the Russians ahead of time of the limited missile strike, which did very little damage, uh, contrary to what they said. They said the Syrian Air Force lost 20% of their of their planes. But in fact, if you look at the video of the aftermath, it doesn't look like they lost much. In fact, it looks like the air base was evacuated, and they didn't even target the chemical weapons stockpile. It seems like the strike was done for cosmetic reasons, for PR reasons, and Donald Trump says he will not tell the American people or the American media of any of his military plans. He doesn't want to tip anyone off, but he tipped off the Russians ahead of time. So what do you think of that? Well, I think it's a disgrace. I remember the day after the uh, missile attacks, uh, a Republican uh, House member said, uh, well, I'm glad he warned Russia. I wish he would have warned Congress. Uh, you know, and that's a good point. Uh, Congress, whenever there's military action, uh, Congress has a, Congress, a constitutional responsibility uh, to advise the president. And in this case, the president didn't bother asking Congress anything. And uh, But he apparently did take the trouble to alert the Russians, which is nice, uh, because they could, have, they could warn their friends, the Syrians, uh, to get all the good stuff away from their air base was attacked. It, it's just stupid. It's, it's stupid. Uh, it's I think it is very was very much a PR ploy uh, to get the Russian story off the page, but uh, the attack was a failure, and the ploy to get the Russian uh, scandal out of the news failed too. Brad, real quick, we got about two minutes left. I want to just bring up, uh, there's another story in the Boston Globe yesterday. Um, I'm just going to quote, it's called Black Found- Blackwater founder Eric Prince said to have advised Trump team, Uh, In the very public post-election parade of dignitaries, confidants, and job seekers filing in and out of Donald Trump's marquee Manhattan Tower, Blackwater founder Eric Prince was largely out of sight, and yet Prince was very much a presence, giving advice to Trump's inner circle, including his top national security advisor, Michael Flynn, according to people familiar with his activities. Back in January, Jeremy Scahill, the journalist who literally wrote the book on Blackwater, uh, reported at The Intercept that Eric Prince was with Donald Trump and his family at Trump Tower on election night, and that suggested a decree of intimacy between them that had not previously been revealed. And if you remember, uh, you know, Prince had that really shady meeting, uh, you know, essentially being a back-channel contact uh, with Russia for Team Trump and has still been advising them, despite what Sean Spicer said uh, in the White House briefing recently. So this Prince stuff, I think, could also float to the top if if we actually had, you know, uh, members of Congress doing their job and investigating these connections. So, Brad, in the final 90 seconds here, what are your thoughts on that and that topic overall? Well, 
I think this Russian thing isn't going to go away. And I think the main reason it's not going to away is there are at least two Republican U.S. senators who also think this Russian-Trump connection stinks to high heaven. Uh, and they will make sure it gets pursued by the Senate, even though there's a Republican majority. Those would be John McCain uh, and uh, the guy from Lindsey Graham, yeah. Graham. And uh, this thing is not going to go away. And again, I think it will prove to be the undoing of the Trump administration because it stinks to high hell. Brad, thanks for joining us. As always, you can follow Brad on Twitter. That's at Brad Bannon, B-R-A-D-B-A-N-N-O-N. Check out his website, BannonCR.com. He's always a good read on The Hill. If you follow him on Twitter, um, you'll see that uh, he posts his pieces regularly. Um, My name is Mark Grimaldi. It's been a pleasure uh, being with you today. You can follow me on Twitter at Mark J. Grimaldi. That's M-A-R-K-J-G-R-I-M-A-L-D-I. And again, if you want to find out who your representative is to call when this Trump Care 2.0 comes up, this way you can oppose it. It's whoismyrepresentative.com. This has been Mark Grimaldi and Brad Bannon in for Leslie Marshall. Have a great evening. This is no ordinary sub shop. This is Firehouse Subs. Welcome to Firehouse. Tired of overpriced lunches that underdeliver on flavor? Head to Firehouse Subs, where for a limited time, you can get a $4.99 choice sub. Choose from a medium smoked turkey, Virginia honey ham, or roast beef. They're custom-made hot subs at a price ready-made to make you smile. Just $4.99, only at Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs, save more lives. Participating locations plus tax limited time offer prices may vary for delivery. How to show up with Coca-Cola energy. You're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it! Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola Energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive! Show up every day with Coca-Cola Energy. Energy you want, taste you love.